This episode of TWIP is brought to you by Backblaze, unlimited, secure, and easy online backup. Start your free two-week trial at backblaze.com and start protecting your photos today. Bandwidth for This Week in Photo is provided by the CashFly Content Delivery Network. Send your web content blazingly fast with CashFly. And now, pay as you go. Start with two terabytes free by going to C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com and use the promo code TWIP. TWIP is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com and enter the offer code TWIP at checkout to get 10% off Squarespace. Build it beautiful. TWIP is brought to you by FreshBooks, the simple cloud accounting solution that's helping thousands of new entrepreneurs and small business owners save time billing and get paid faster. Sign up for free at freshbooks.com and join over 5 million users running their businesses with ease. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by iFi. Point, shoot, iFi. Try it for free at iFi.com. This is TWIP, episode 433. Death by selfie. Selfies! It's the cultural phenomenon that we all love to hate and love to participate in. The word selfie has invaded the world's techno lexicon and the act of taking these self-portraits has become a part of everyday life. Some people do it to share their interesting lives and whereabouts with their friends, family, and a few thousand of their closest followers, while others do it because they genuinely think the world would be a better place and a brighter place if there were just a few more photos of their amazing face on the internet. Whatever the reasons, this is a seemingly innocuous side effect of the everyone has a camera all the time era, but is it really so benign? Consider this, with the increasing desire for public acceptance in the form of likes, loves, plus ones, thumbs up, etc., people are beginning to think outside the box when it comes to capturing that one photo that will garner an extra millisecond or two of attention on Instagram. Unfortunately, this outside-the-box thinking surprisingly has caused more deaths this year than shark attacks. In this episode, we discuss the selfie trend and some surprising ways that several unfortunate people have made their selfies the last photo they'd ever take. It's Monday, October 5th, 2015, and this is TWIP. If you haven't checked out Squarespace lately, you really should pop over to squarespace.com and have a look. The templates they use are stunning and completely remove the need to do any coding or maintenance. And if you want, you can customize these templates to meet your particular aesthetic. The sites look professionally designed regardless of your skill level. You don't need any coding skill or any magic like that. Their intuitive tools are easy to use. Squarespace also has state-of-the-art technology powering the site to make sure that it's secure and stable. And also, it's trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world are using Squarespace. Plans start at $8 a month and you can even get a free domain if you sign up for a year. You can start your free trial today with no credit card required over at squarespace.com. Then when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code TWIP to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, build it beautiful. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me today on the show are my two good friends, Mr. Martin Bailey and Mr. Shiv Verma. Hey, guys, welcome back to the show. Hey, Frederick. How you doing? I'm doing I'm doing really good. We got a ton 
a ton, a metric ton of stuff <laughs> to talk about on the show today. Before we do that, Shiv, Martin, I feel like I talk to you all the time. Shiv, I feel like I haven't talked to you since 20, what, 2020? Oh, 2020? <laughs> Let's go into the future. <laughs> yeah. 2013, early 2014. What's been going on? You've been, the, you've been running back and forth to Iceland and Africa and India, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Just just did uh, an August Iceland trip, which was great. Did uh, the Highlands, which was a new one for me. I mean, I've been the, been around there, but not really spent a whole ten days in the Highlands. That was fantastic. And uh, then India, and then next week it's uh, back to the fall workshops. So the colors are coming really beautiful. So. That's what it's going to be. How do you manage it? How much time do you spend at home? Or is home like a hotel for you? And you're just... <laughs> well, you know, as long as my wife comes along, then then it's no big deal. Then we move the whole... Home. Where your wife is, right? <laughs> right. So, well, yeah, no, no. It's uh, I, I do spend a lot of time on the road, but uh, it's it's fun. It's, you know, it's a lot of fun. I love it. You still shooting Micro Four Thirds? Or you uh, moved to Fuji or Sony? No, no, no. Micro Four Thirds primarily for everything that's uh, you know fast moving. But where I need you know commercial and you know more resolution, then yes, then it's full frame Sony. Nice, nice. The full frame, yeah. The uh, A Seven R two, and <sighs> just been shooting it for the past three days. It's just phenomenal. It's the siren call of that Sony. I'm trying to resist it. I'm trying. Well, I, I'm waiting for Martin to switch. I know. <laughs> I know. Martin's our canary in the coal mine. Speaking of Martin, hey, Martin. So what's what's been going on in your world? Last Every time we talk, you're about a centimeter closer to moving to mirrorless. <laughs> have, you, have you pulled the trigger yet? Nah, you know, Canon with the 5DS, have, um, I think they've kept me, they've kept me on, on their uh, customer list for probably a few more years. Uh, I ended up, I was seriously considering the A7R2, but when, once I got a look at the images from the, from the 5DS, uh, I just bought a second one. <laughs> I was just, you know, that I, I literally, I, I'm just back from Iceland as well. And I just took two 5DS bodies with me um, it. and it was great. You know, it's, it's an amazing camera. I think we're at the point now though, once you, the resolution that we've got now, I mean, the, the, the Sony's got 40 megapixels, the, the 5DS has got 50. I mean, they're talking about a 120 megapixel version that will probably will come out in a few years' time. And, yeah. you know, honestly, now, I mean, 50 is enough. I'll, I'll take whatever I can get. But anyway, the, no, the, but the 5DS, has, it's taken any, any chances of me moving to mirrorless or, or something else away for a, probably a little while longer. And, yeah. even and, and then, that's, that's good, though. I mean, you know, we, we talk a lot about mirrorless and and the virtues of mirrorless over DSLR. But when it comes down to it, it's the tool, right? It's mm. the right tool for the job. Mm. And not only that, it's the right tool for your brain and what allows you the path of re least resistance to get the images that you love getting. Who cares of how you get there, right? Right. And, and yeah. I think there's a lot to be said for, for being happy with what, you've, what you're shooting with as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, yeah. I, I know that a lot of people spend a lot of time online getting very vocal about why you shouldn't buy this and shouldn't buy that. And, yep. and it's all people trying to um, just really to, and I, I always forget this word, but they're trying to justify their own buying decisions. You know, yeah. if I, call it digital, what, I call it digital Stockholm syndrome. You know, you, <laughs> yeah. you, 
<laughs> you you have to you know you identify with your captors and then fall in love with them at right. a certain point. So. <laughs> and th- that's pretty much what it is. Uh, I, and I I'm really happy. I've never been happier. That the yeah. four, the eleven to twenty four millimeter Canon lens that came out earlier this year and the one hundred to four hundred um, have basically started me getting really really happy with Canon gear. And then the five DS is just the icing on the cake. So now I'm honestly I'm I'm. I never really fell out of love with Canon, but I, I do think that there's a lot to be said for just being happy with your gear. None of none of the, the the voices online really bother me. Everyone's trying to pigeonhole the five DS. Oh, it's a it's a still life or a portrait camera or a landscape camera. You know, it's anything you want it to be. It's a camera. They're all they're all tools. You know, yeah. and I've yeah. been shooting people wildlife online, with it. People online need to shut up and shoot. That's you exactly. Know, that's, you know, stop, stop exactly. talking about it and go burn some pixels, man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, let's dive into the, the first story for this week. And uh, it's kind of a salacious title. And the title of it is Selfies Cause More Deaths Than, than Shark Attacks. So let me read the story and then we can talk about it. Um, there's been a few tragic stories or news stories about selfie deaths in the past year or so, but until now it hasn't been so clear exactly how rife the selfie death phenomenon really is. Uh, you may be more afraid of sharks than selfies, but statistically speaking, sharks are less deadly than selfies. So there have been 12 recorded selfie deaths in 2015 alone so far compared with eight people dying of shark attacks. And most of the selfie-related deaths have been due to falling. You know, I would ex- I would assume as people walking backwards or trying to get the perfect shot of themselves. <laughs> and, you know, and some of them, the next most common is when people take a selfie of themselves and they get hit by a car or some other moving vehicle. Uh, so the you know that's that's the gist of the story that I want to talk about. There's more that we'll put in the show notes that you know, and a bunch of links that that goes on to explain what exactly is happening. Um, you know, including this this new technique of rooftopping. Um, there's this one 17 year old boy that died falling seven or nine stories from a rooftop while engaging in this rooftopping photography. This is where they get on the roofs, take take these, these awesome shots to get better Instagram likes and more more popularity on in- Instagram. So the title of this is very salacious. Obviously, the topic is very serious, you know, because, you know, people are losing their lives by virtue of just not being careful and not paying attention to what they're doing and trying to get that perfect shot. Shiv Verma, you travel the world doing shots. I'm sure from time to time you might feel compelled to pull a selfie or two you know, when you see a story like this and you see the, you know, the comparison to shark attacks and selfies, what, what do you think? I mean, is it, it, does it hold water? Is it, you know, what, what is going on here? Frederick, I mean, you bring up a great point. I mean, this, this kind of, you know, fringes on being a little funny, but uh, I'm just waiting for somebody to make a selfie stick that will actually hold an iPad and then press the trigger on an iPad because, you know, that's the, the other thing, well. you know, people walking around with iPads and photographing. Right, but funny right. you mentioned this. And when I saw this topic come up, um, you know, I was in Vermont uh, yesterday and uh, there were, you know, three people, I mean, a group in a van and they're all doing the selfie thing with these selfie sticks just over this dock. And this guy is kind of moving backwards with his selfie stick. And, you know, he moves back again. And then his girlfriend comes by his side. And the next thing I know is that she's kind of on on, on the edge and he's grabbing her, pulling her back. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, so, you know, worst case, she's going to fall in the water. Hopefully she knows how to swim. Uh, but, but if not, you know, that's another case of 
an accidental something may not be death, but at least, you know, injury or whatever. Yeah, something unfortunate. Yeah. And and I think the, the problem that we've got is that it's become a fad and people are taking it to, you know, extremes. And, you know, people jumping off roofs, this whole you know phenomenon of how do I get more popular? Well, you get more popular, just jump off the roof and die. <laughs> You'll be in all the newspapers. You'll forget about Instagram. Yeah. And for the record, we don't condone that behavior on this week in photos. You no, know, we absolutely shouldn't. But but the whole the whole issue is that the euphoria of, you know, selfies and, and, and getting popularity or gaining popularity, somehow the other needs to be quelled because it is going to extremes. And I think people are doing things way beyond what they should. I mean, when we had one was it in 2014, you know, a photographer had a model on a train track and he got hit and or she got hit. I don't remember the entire story, but you talk about eight deaths. I don't know how many of them were on train tracks. So, you know, we're dealing with a serious situation over here. And I think it's not something that you can have a law for, but, you know, at some point we said, you won't text and drive. Right. Yeah. And then we said, you won't talk and drive. Now, maybe there should be something about you won't selfie and do whatever it is. Walk backwards off a cliff. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. So, I'd love to hear what Martin feels, because I know Martin's in Japan and Japan has the highest rate of tourism photography. So does this fall into that? It, yeah. Martin, what, what do you think? I mean, and there's. There's quite a few people in Japan last time I checked, you know, so maybe maybe walking backwards isn't even possible. <laughs> but but what do you think? I mean, what do you think of this story? No, I think no matter where it is, you see it all the time. Any any tourist spot now um, in Iceland recently um, and here in Tokyo, in a lot of the, the touristy places, you see everyone seems to have a selfie stick now and everyone seems to want to have their own face in their photo in their photos. Yeah. I mean, right. Really, we saw people in Iceland where they would walk up to a, wa- a beautiful waterfall, and they turn around, look, look, get the selfie stick out, or just hold the phone out, and start to, you know, they, they, it seems as though they can't take a photo of a beautiful place without their own fizzog in the frame. It's yeah. like, what? Why? Why? You know? Yeah, honestly. I, that, and I want to get into that because this is. I think this story goes a little bit deeper than. You know the tragedy of of the the multiple deaths happening in two, 2015, but just the selfie phenomenon. I want to mm. under, I want to understand it, and hopefully you guys can help me understand it. Is it is it the convergence of technologies? I.e., we've got these social media sites like Instagram and Facebook, and everybody's competing for hearts and likes. And you you know I want you to like me, so. Or is it ego driven? You know, in other words, hey, look at me. I'm in front of this cool water fountain and you're not. Mm. You know, <laughs> you know. What, I, I think what it, is it? What's driving? I think it's a bit of both. I think we've got um people definitely, especially, you know, with like things like this rooftop in photography and stuff like that. People are I mean, I've seen the video videos and photos from people on the top of buildings and some of them still under construction. You know, they're very dangerous places to be. And I know that even I, I was taking a photo of a waterfall from from a, a ridge in Iceland where, you know, it, it's it's a pretty safe place to be as long as you're looking where you're standing. But the moment you put a camera to your eye, you lose your orientation. You, you're not in control of your body the way you think you are. 
because yeah. you're getting you're getting visual, especially if you're looking through a viewfinder, you're getting visual information that does not coincide with where you really are because you're looking at a different perspective and all of that. And so, I mean, it is, it's actually difficult to just stand on an uneven surface if you're looking through a viewfinder. Um, if, you're, if you're there with a selfie stick and, you're, and all you're concerned about is what, what you see on the, either on your iPhone screen or a GoPro or whatever, mm-hmm. if you're thinking about that stuff, you're not going to be looking at your footing. You know, whenever, whenever I'm walking around on uneven places, usually in, in the wilderness, you've got at least rocks and things. It might not be a very dangerous place. But it seems, I mean, I, I trip at least once on most of my tours when I'm looking at a scene. I'm walking along, I'm thinking, oh, look at that. And the moment you're not looking where you're going, you start to trip, you'll bang your knees, you, you might break your camera. You know? yeah. And so, I mean, all of this stuff is, it's really, it, a lot of, it might just be a, a simple grazed knee or something like that. Makes you feel stupid in front of a in front of a group <laughs> of people, especially if you're leading a workshop, it, right? Yeah, it's not um, it's not exactly uh, you know the coolest thing to do, but it's not going to kill you either. But when you're doing it on places like that, you know that you, uh, you you see all sorts of footage of people getting hit by trains and things, and it's it is dangerous. But I think it's ego driven. I think it's it's all about how many likes you've got, how many Instagram followers you've got, and all of this. And yeah. I think that we need to do something, like Shiv says. I mean, maybe, maybe building some some warnings in the iPhone or or the you know Androids or whatever. It sense sense if it's if you're on a selfie stick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? and I mean, if if you're using the rear facing camera, or the front facing mm. camera, and you're on a selfie stick, then shut off. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I mean, no matter no matter what it what it. I mean, you can you can use selfie sticks the other way around. You can't see them, but you know yeah. whatever. What I think they need to put some more. Yeah, you know, so I mean, like like Shiv says, we we we're not allowed to text while driving, things like that. Just some more legislation, laws, regulations, whatever, um, yeah. and start to because people are going to continue to die. It's because selfies are getting more and more popular. Unfortunately, I know. I mean, speaking of the popularity of these things, Shiv, what do you, do you think? Is the selfie uh, a passing fad? Please say yes. I mean, is it? <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, Frederick, I don't think it's a passing fad because, oh. you know, it, Martin made, brought up a very good point. It's this whole ego thing. Um, if you recall, why do people, you know, get so fond of point and shoot cameras? It yeah. Really, it was, you know, the original thing was I was there. Now, how do I prove it to the bloke in my, you know, village that I was there? Right. So they took pictures. But now it's, I was there. You see me, I was there. So they take this picture of you physically being there. So it's, it's elevated that ego to another level and it's not going away. And, and I think what needs to happen is the moment you turn on that front facing camera, if there should be something that says this camera is hazardous to your health or yeah. this camera, you know, whatever it is. And, and you're going to take pictures at your own risk, but people, Fundamentally, it's that ego principle, you know, to be able to show off, to be able to state where you've been, what you've done. And what's one of the most annoying things that I saw most recently was we were at a restaurant and people take pictures of the food that they're eating. Now they got their selfie sticks in restaurants taking pictures of everybody's food. <laughs> yeah, to get themselves <laughs> and the meal. Right. So it's, 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 it's going to this. other extremes. And, you know, it, it, I wouldn't oh, be surprised man. if some restaurants start banning, you know, 
people walking in with selfie sticks. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's not a bad idea. That is well, not selfie sticks idea. are banned in some places now. Um, I forget where I saw the story, but there are places that are starting to ban selfie sticks. Yeah, yeah. It should, I mean, I think you, I think you both, you both are right. I think the this the act of the selfie itself is probably not going away, but I think the selfie stick itself will start garnering so much stigma around it that you'll be a dork if you pull out a selfie stick, right? Mm. Other than your arm, which is the ultimate selfie stick. <laughs> mm. right. We're just going to end up with these little microscopic drones that fly around us the whole time recording our lives, and then we can just select frames here and there. Ah, this is so weird. This is so weird. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I can understand. Like, you browse through Instagram. I'll, I'll look through my Instagram feed and... You know, following some models and, you know, attractive people in there. And generally speaking, the attractive people's selfies are weighted heavier than, I would say, you know, us, the normal people. <laughs> so, you know, obviously, but I would guess over time as they become less attractive, maybe their selfies, <laughs> their selfies <laughs> will kind of go away a little bit. I don't know. Uh, yeah, so aging, aging is a cure for selfies. <laughs> The ultimate cure. Being on a ledge, taking a picture of a waterfall and somebody pulls out selfie sticks to take pictures. I mean, I've also seen not just that, but somebody pull out a selfie stick and his girlfriend decides to put on fresh makeup because now it's going to be a selfie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not going away, Frederick. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the last part of the story, uh, the International Business Times reported that, um, you know, speaking of the rooftop, rooftop photography, um, there was a boy, a 17-year-old boy. Um, his name is Audrey R., he regularly climbed high rooftops with his friends in Russia. And for his final photo attempt, he was reportedly hanging off the edge of a roof while attached to a rope in order to shoot a photo that made it look like he was falling. And guess what happened? You, can, you know where this ended, right? Yeah, the rope snapped and he fell, you know, and then two hours later, last rites were administered and he's dead in the hospital. Mm. I mean, the, 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 so this is, I mean, this is another tangent to the story, not just the vanity of, Hey, look at where I am. And, you know, I'm doing something that you can't do from your cubicle in Silicon Valley. You know, it's this, it's this, okay, I need to do something really cool and interesting and outrageous to get the currency of the like mm. on Instagram. Like, what does that give you? Like, like I, I love Instagram just like the next guy, but why do you need to hang from a rope so that you can make a shot so that you could get more likes from? Mm. Assuming, presuming this is what he was doing this for. I don't know. Martin, Martin, what do you think? I mean, is that, is, is like the, the relentless pursuit of the like, is that where mm. we are now? Is that today? I think we are. I mean, it, there's, there's got to be a, I'm sure there are hormones that are released when you say you, somebody liked this photo, somebody liked, you know, because I mean, it feels good. It's a pat on the back, like a, digi a digital, um, yeah, digital pat on the back. It that, feels that, better to get a dollar digital pat on the back. <laughs> than like. But yeah, I mean, so, you know, there, there are people that are probably, you know, if they're doing it, there's YouTubers, right? People yeah. that make that make a living from YouTube. If you're actually using, if you're doing video, it can turn into money. And so I think that there's part of that. But I think on the basic level, there's there's really just there's some sort of satisfaction in getting a like. And, the, mm -hmm. and if you can do things that that make more of them come in, 
there's probably some hormone that gets released. It's like, I don't know, it's like a, I don't know, eating chocolate or whatever. You know, mm -hmm. I'm yeah. sure it, there, there's, it can probably be explained. Um, the, the thing is, is that I, I think that it's also coupled with a time when there are things that we can do, bungee jumping and, you know, all sorts of things. Bungee jumping is not necessarily dangerous, but it seems as though people are, are getting probably partly because of the movies and we're shown all of this action that we think is is doable. But in real life, we can do all sorts of action sports and things now that take things to extremes yeah. and make people feel a little bit invincible until it goes wrong. You know, so and, and it seems as though we're always after the next thrill as well. You know, I mean, some of the video footage I see with the GoPros, it makes me think, Jesus, how did they ever have the, I don't know, I probably shouldn't say balls, but I'm going to, to do that. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, you're like, can I say balls? Yeah. You, can say balls. <laughs> um, you know, it's how did they ever have the guts to do that? And yet yeah. people, people are doing more and more um, thrilling stuff all the time. And I think that coupled with the new fad of, of these selfies, it's, it's becoming a little bit dangerous. It's such a shame when you hear, I mean, can you imagine what this kid's family feels like? They've, they've raised him. He's just about to probably leave high school, and then all of a sudden he's falling off a building. And, you know, it's, it really is a shame. And I think, yeah, I think 17 the, the years of raising can... him and one, mm. one stupid act, and boom, it's, yeah. it's all over. Shiv, yeah. Shiv, is it, just to close this off, is this, you know, is this the, like I was, I posed to Martin, is this the age of the like and the, the, you know, accumulating a larger group of friends on Facebook? Is that where we are now? To some extent, yes. But I think it's, it's also, you know, it's a whole plethora of things. It's, you know, you look at Guinness's book of records, what were people doing? Trying to do something bigger, better, and worse than anybody else. Okay. Right. Uh, you, you, and they got zero likes. Right. They just got the book. <laughs> but now you can get likes. And then you've yeah. got, you know, extreme sports. M Martin mentioned that. I mean, people want to take things to the next level. And, and I think children, as they grow up, are watching all this and kind of contemplating, what can I do, which is one better than everybody else? Yeah. And, you know, what can be death defying? I mean, it's all based upon this death defiance. If you look at everything that mm. goes wrong, it was because it was death defiance. And that's what leads to the end. And then you are dead. Yeah. 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 You, you can defy death until, you know, you're not defying it anymore and it wins. And, you know, no more rinsing uh, and repeating. It's just, yeah. Yeah. It's a, I don't know. We'll, we'll keep an eye on this. I mean, things, like you said, things are changing. You know, camera phones are getting better and better. Martin, you joked about those drones that follow you. There are drones that yeah. follow you now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're yeah. out there. They're There's all this there. stuff out there for, for people to capture new and more innovative shots of themselves. I mean, can and you I'm imagine like, a hundred, two thousand, uh, a gazillion lilies following you around everywhere? <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. We're moving in that direction, mm. but... All right, guys, uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Adobe unveiling two new mobile apps, and they announced a program, more program or software updates at their conference called Adobe Max. This episode of TWIP is sponsored by iFi. iFi has a brand new vision for helping you manage your photography. Here's how they look at photography workflows, old versus new. The old way, point, shoot, download, organize, backup, die of boredom, then rinse and repeat. The new way, point, shoot, and iFi. 
iFi pulls all of your original resolution photos from your digital camera and smartphone and puts them into a single, intelligently organized library. This library is then immediately viewable from all of your devices and iFi backs up everything to the cloud as well as your desktop automatically. The best thing is you can try it for free today at iFi.com. That's iFi.com. And we'd like to thank iFi for their support of this week in photo. All right, guys, Adobe unveiled some new mobile apps and updates to their desktop apps at Adobe Max today. So the uh, basically they announced Photoshop Fix and Capture CC. Photoshop Fix, if you are a Mac person, you may remember it was highlighted on the stage at Apple's recent iPad Pro unveiling where they used it on that new uh 12.9 inch tablet. Photoshop Fix is an image retouching and restoration app that includes Photoshop-like tools like the Healing Brush and Liquify, and then Capture CC, which it seems like Capture CC is their attempt to reduce their portfolio of apps. So they've taken their Adobe their app, Adobe Brush, Adobe Shape, Adobe Color, Adobe Hue and put them all into one single app called Capture CC. And then the uh, on the Photoshop side of thing, Photoshop is gaining artboard features for designers. So you can lay things out in kind of a design space-centric workflow. In Lightroom CC is improved or gained improved tools for integrating training content or their or let me see if I'm reading this right. Lightroom CC gained improved importing tools and integrated training content. Why do I want integrated training content? Um, and Lightroom for the web is being enhanced and Photoshop editing capabilities for adjusting exposure, temperature. They added editing capabilities for adjusting exposure, temperature, white balance, and more. So lots of stuff coming out of them. But, you know, as I read through the announcements, when I read through announcements like this, I kind of skim down to see what I care about. And when I was reading, literally, I'm like, so I'm reading through this and I'm like, no, don't care about that. Don't care about that. May not be getting iPad Pro anytime soon. Don't care about that. Maybe the Photoshop CC artboard features. And oh, one other thing is they announced that they're adding touch across the board, but for Windows users only. So Interesting. You know, lots of movement in the creative space. Uh, Shiv, what do you think about this? Uh, Adobe moving forward incremental do you care did you get excited and do a dance when you saw this this press release? absolutely not absolutely <laughs> not <laughs> i'll be honest with you i mean you know there's two companies that do very strange things one of them happens to be sony that that they come out with products and then they kill them yeah and and adobe seems to do a similar kind of thing i mean they come out with software and then soon it's no longer there and then you wonder why it died, and then they rename it and they sort of reintroduce it. Uh, this whole concept with you know adding these little incremental products to the iPad or the iPhone or whatever, to me it's just a little bit of nonsense. I mean, if they really mm -hmm. wanted to do something, and, and this is my opinion, it's you know not you know what I'm saying that they should do, but just my opinion is that take all these incremental enhancements and build it into the true mobile Lightroom if you want to mm -hmm. and make it available as a part and parcel of that product instead of introducing this, this learning experience into Lightroom. I mean, Lightroom's meant for cataloging and 
basic editing and a very visual camera raw product. Why are you now making it something else? You know, it's like saying, well, let me take Dreamweaver and make it into a word processing software. It just doesn't make any sense. And then for Photoshop, it's bloated as it is. It's one of the most bloated products that has so much stuff that photographers don't need. And it's got so much stuff that graphics artists don't need. And it's got now more stuff because a designer wants to use it. Give me a break. I mean, just break that product into three pieces and sell it as three you know, nine dollar ninety nine cents. Here's, here's, I agree with you. Here's my goal, like, like what they did with the telephone company way back in the day, right? So here, here's my, my, my thoughts of what Photoshop. I would like to see Photoshop evolve into. Um, I'd like to see a base level of Photoshop that's just a bare bones. You know, the image editor from say Photoshop three Go back to that. You know, so that's the bare bone version. But then on top of that, give me in-app purchases. This is the age of in-app purchases. Give me in-app purchases so that I can say, you know what? Oh, geez, I got this project coming up and I need video. I need the video timeline. Let me purchase that for 20 bucks and I'll add that onto my Photoshop. Or if I have, if I need 3D, let me purchase the capabilities for 3D and add that onto my Photoshop. Not as a plugin, but as the it actually would get added to the integral part of the underlying system. And so it enhances like, the product. It would enhance it, not just be an add-on, you know, plug-in. It would be, okay, boom, this is now you have Photoshop and it does all this cool stuff too. I don't know. That's what I would like to see. Martin, Martin, what do you think? Did, the, did these announcements get you excited? Was there anything in the list that I read off that made you think, okay, I got to go download that? Um, the only thing that I've been really excited about, not really excited about, but that, that, piqued my interest was um, the new D you can now use dehaze in Lightroom mm-hmm. as a, a local adjustment. I think that's, that's useful. Um, yeah. You know, the dehaze is great, but you don't always want to add it to the whole image. You know, if you've shot a misty scene for, by, on purpose, for example, you might want to just bring out a bit of detail in a certain area. So that's yeah. something that I think is going to be useful. Um, I think that, you know, on the whole topic, I, I kind of agree with what, with what, you're saying, Shiv, but on the other hand, you know, I mean, I also like the fact that um, to me, Lightroom isn't just a cataloging uh, application. I think, you know, the the adjustments that you can do, because they'd be in ha- they're happening a lot of the time on a raw file, it saves me from creating a, a PSD or a TIFF. And I like to be able to do a lot of that right there on the raw file, because then I don't have to create other files and I, I can do it all right in one place. I mean, for me, Lightroom is is a complete package. It's pretty much my entire workflow from import right. to a lot of development work. And then, you know, if I can do all of everything that I need to do just in Lightroom, I'll do it there. And then I'll use it for printing, slideshows and all sorts. So for me, it's, it's a little bit more than a catalog. Um, so I like the additional features that are being added there. But I think that there is still a, there's a need to, to keep it within a certain bounds. Um, one thing that I'm really disappointed with, and I, I know that for the for the listening audience, it's not going to be um, it's not going to be great. But I'm holding this up here in the video. The new Lightroom mobile app looks like a piece of crap. Um, it, it, what do you was, really mean, Martin? <laughs> no, it was it used to be a beautiful you know until yesterday, 
it was a great way to share images um and you know you'd got these big like big icons for each each album i use it for sharing portfolios with people when i'm out and about on the iphone and the ipad and it was great you could browse through them with these really nice looking big you know once you've tapped on an on an uh, on an image you can uh, you know say if i if i tap on one you can go in and you get the same great view of of icons uh, you know for of thumbnails but the the top level view looks absolutely terrible now it's just these tiny little images and then the a big you know a list of text and buttons and things and is that I, could that be a preference setting that seems there isn't one counterintuitive I, yeah i mean it's it's got this stupid thing at the bottom now that until you start to scroll it's got this like a blue a blue bar saying camera roll and a and a camera you know i mean fire make that make that at the bottom but don't show it until until i start to scroll but yeah i looked through the preferences there's no way to go back to the old big view and i i actually i and they're not they're probably not even looking but i tweeted um the lightroom team on on twitter yesterday saying give us an option to go back to the old big op, big icon you know the big uh, thumbnail view because this yeah. looks like this looks crap you know honestly yeah. i thought it was it looked sophisticated enough that i could use it to show pass around and show people my portfolios now it just looks like the iphone's like like a dark version of the iPhone's photos app. And it's really disappointing to me. And that's, that's the thing with software development though. I mean, we see that all the time that, you know, it's, it's both a plus and a minus, right? Cause in, in the world that we live in today, it's, especially considering the cloud-based services because they change every single minute almost, (laughs) but Mm. you know, software is so easy to change now. I'm sure for these developers, it's hard to resist the siren call of, okay, we need to change it for Adobe Max so that we can push out something new and show that we're innovating and spark new downloads or usage of the of the software. When in reality, people like us that are using it all the time, just give me, give me status quo you know make it awesome and then let me use it (laughs) stop changing it (laughs) it it feels a lot like adobe have have hired a bunch of windows developers for and put them on the team because you know apple would never do something like that they would they would keep it looking beautiful and enhance it i've been really happy with the changes that have been made to the uh, lightroom mobile app until yesterday it looked great and it was usable and the functionality was growing, but it wasn't too um, in your face. You, you know, you yeah. could tap and it would all go away and you just get your photo. And now it feels like a Windows app. It feels like, you know, you've got well, it. It's all spelled out Windows, for you. Speaking of Windows apps uh, and <laughs> Apple, have you seen iTunes lately? <laughs> that, that looked like they uh, they hired some developers from Microsoft to come over and destroy it. You know, yeah, iTunes. Yeah. iTunes needs needs a nuke and pave, I would say, and <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, start from scratch on that thing. It's yeah, so I think they, they've yeah. There's certainly some some areas where it, you know it doesn't look as cool as it used to. I think they're they're, mm-hmm. they're improving some areas, but there's a lot in there now. It's feature um, creep. It's yeah, it's it's it the problem, right? Right, yeah. Shiv. I mean, what do you think about this? I mean, just the 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 topic overall of feature creep and software applications, you know, and change for the sake of change. You know, it, it's a it's a delicate balance, right? Yeah, you're right. I mean, Apple's done some crazy things with uh, with both iTunes and GarageBand, and, and to a little extent even with iPhotos. You know, the the changes are more. 
uh, I hate to use the term Microsoftish. <laughs> poor, <my> poor Microsoft. <laughs> uh, but they brought this on themselves. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but by the same token, I mean, you know, uh, I love what they've done with El Capitan. Yeah, I do. I do. I love El Capitan. It's it's very Yeah, sad. I mean, th th there is good stuff still going on at Apple, but I think Adobe needs to learn from, you know, some of what's already transpired. And, you know, when they had good products, I still don't understand why they killed them. You know, purgatory is good, but <laughs> not for stuff that I liked. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, I mean, that's that's part of... It's part of the perils of dancing on the bleeding edge, right? Because all these changes keep happening. You know, and I talk to some photographers that are completely immune to this because they're like, you know what? You guys on your creative cloud, I've been using Photoshop 5 and I'm making awesome art. I'm using my camera that I've been using for, for five years and I'm still taking great pictures. You, you technological types are the ones that are on the bleeding edge and getting cut up all the time. Well, to be honest with you, Frederick, I have not moved to the cloud. Mm, you haven't. Oh. No, because I think I think the the raw functionality uh, in in both DxO and Capture One is is so phenomenal that you know once I've got the raw file ready into what I want to do an edit with, mm -hmm. then the functionality in Photoshop CC is more than sufficient. And I don't want to, you know, get stuck with the quagmire of having to worry about Creative Cloud or whatever I'm traveling and it happens to be, you know, no longer functional or it right, then decides right. to go check whether I've paid or not. Yeah, yeah, but you get yeah. you get like three to six months leeway there. You've got to be traveling for a long time for that to get you. I could be gone for three to six months. <laughs> it's possible. You, it's super we're talking about. I doubt that you'd be away from the internet for that whole time. When they first released it, that was the case. I had a big thing with, um, I was in communication with the Adobe team and they uh, they actually changed it afterwards. I think the result was three months. It might have been six months. So what is max. it three months? So what is it? You have to, it has to ping Adobe servers? Yes every at least three months for it to remain no, active on your it machine? It pings more regularly, but uh, initially, if it, the first time I got bit with this was in 2012. I was going to be in Antarctica for possibly, well, I was going to be in Antarctica for seven weeks, mm -hmm. and I was leaving, um, I think it was the day before the product would, would go in. Once a month it would do to, to check that you've paid. And it was going to go go in and try and check that I paid literally when I was on a boat down on the way down the Beagle Channel, and I wouldn't have been back for I think it was for the first visit. If I could get to an internet cafe, it would have been three weeks later. But it was only a two week or a seven day. That was it. It was seven days um, leeway where if, if it couldn't get to a server within seven days, all of the Creative Cloud would stop working. Mm. And so I got in touch with Adobe, and in the end. You know, they, they, it wasn't obviously just for me, but I raised an issue that they realized was going to be more than an issue than they thought. And the, I think the last thing that they said was it was now you can, it will tell you that it's trying to get to a server, but it will continue to work for, I think, up to three months now. Um, okay. You'll get the warnings, but it will still work. It'll just bug you and nag you and, yeah. 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 Except for Steve Verma, who, I'm not worried. Oh, man, I love it. Yeah, well, hey, all this stuff is progress. But, you know, it, it's good. And Shiv, I'm interested. I, so before we leave this topic, 
you're on an, an an old version of the software. Have you found any roadblocks of things that you want to do but can't because you're on an outdated piece of this software? No, not at all. Not at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, so you, you know, I, I think I have excellent, excellent raw conversion capability, uh, you know. And I think one of the things that I find most annoying about Lightroom is they talk about tethering, but it's probably the worst tethering software ever made. It just doesn't stay tethered. It's just, you know, capture one, you you put it on, you can do a studio session from, you know, eight o'clock in the morning till eight o'clock at night, and it never loses tethering. So yeah. it's stuff like that. And it's, I mean, that functionality, I, I don't want to use the words, I think, Capture One was made for professionals in a studio, and and they've really delivered. Uh, they're not an editing software. You can do a lot of edits, but it's purely a raw conversion software with mm. tremendous capability. And you know the 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 output, the raw file output is just so different. I mean, you That's can what see I keep it. Hearing, yeah, I keep hearing that people say it's night and day the raw conversion between Lightroom or Camera Raw and Phase One Capture One. I mean, Martin shoots a lot of landscape, you know, nature, wildlife stuff. Uh, when you look at colors and the, the tones that you get when you use Capture One, you just don't get it with Lightroom. You can do a side by side comparison; you'll see the difference. I wonder. I wonder. We yeah. should do a whole show on alternatives because there's a lot of tools out there. There's Phase One. On One has software. I mean, there's a diff- there's a lot of tools out there that you don't have to use the Adobe software if you don't want to. I mean, a lot of people do use it because it's a it is a powerful ecosystem between Premiere and you know the After Effects and Photoshop, etc., working in concert together, and they all talk to each other. But if you don't want or need to be in that ecosystem. Whereas a couple of years ago, your options were limited. Today, not so much. There's, there are, there are limit, there are uh, options out there. Martin, Martin, what do you think about that? I mean, you're, you're in the ecosystem, and you are a Creative Cloud subscriber, and you're happy sitting on your cloud, right? That's, that's the important part. I mean, it's, I, I know that Capture One is a, is a great raw, con, you know, a raw processing app. I don't think it's light and day. I think that there are some subtle differences that you can find. I've used it. They they used to provide me with um, the latest version, and I was promising to do a, a post about it. Um, but I honestly, for me, it's, it comes back to what I said earlier about whether you're happy with what, what you've got or not. And I just really like Lightroom, and I think it does easily a good enough job for my liking. And the images that I create are what I want them to be. So because I'm happy, it's like mirrorless. I don't need to go over and try the Capture One and really take a deep dive because I'm happy with what I'm, what I'm working with. So it's, it comes back to that. Um, you know, I know that Capture One is a, is a good processor, but it does, it's, to me, it, the, the benefits are outweighed by the fact that I can stay in Lightroom and do pretty much everything I need to do from start to finish. Um, and, and, and like you were saying, the, the good part about all this is, you know, digital democracy, right? Mm-hmm. You can, you can move wherever you want and, and try things out and find the solution that works for you and then stick with it. You know, mm-hmm. some people, some people are moving to, what is it? Pixelmator and using that, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. that's all they need, you know, they only crop and, and maybe add some text every now and then. So they don't mm-hmm. need the advanced compositing of Photoshop. Some people need, the level of raw processing that Capture One 
does. Mm. So it's there for them. And some mm. people live in the ecosystem of Adobe and they're happy there. So, yeah. And there's there's no one right answer for any of this. So, no. you know, the, uh, the Stockholm Syndrome to. people will come out saying <laughs> with pitchforks saying that Capture One is better or, or Lightroom is better or whatever, you know, but we know the truth. The truth is, you know, there's no one right answer. Use mm. what works for you. No, no, I mean, Photoshop is an excellent product. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it, it, they've garnered, you know, a lot of enthusiasm from all the, you know, ancillary developers like the On Ones and McFunds, etc. But more and more, you see what's going on. I mean, On Ones now literally moving into a standalone mode where you don't necessarily need Photoshop or you don't need Lightroom and you can do most everything standalone. So a, a lot of that will continue. And I think alternative products are going to become equally popular over time. It's not necessarily that they're going to take over Adobe's space, but the monopoly will gradually diminish, and it, which it should. I mean, democracy is no monopoly, right? Mm. Right, right. Yeah, that's right. Well, cool. Well, that keeps us in business. There's lots of stuff to, uh, to <laughs> that we'll continue to talk about and give our, our unsolicited opinions on. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. All right, guys, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about a new startup in Singapore that's aiming to bring astrophotography to the masses. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just head over to freshbooks.com TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section when you sign up. And as I've said on This Week in Photo before, we use FreshBooks as the back end to basically run most of the stuff behind the scenes on this business to keep the lights on and to keep everybody happy. Because as we all know, as creative professionals, we're not necessarily focused on capturing our income, expenses, and tracking billable time and all that. And I think the reason that we don't capture all of those things is simple. It's boring. We're creatives. We like fun stuff. We like Photoshop and Lightroom and you know, all these other cool things that let us express that side of our brain. And thankfully, FreshBook offers us as small business owners a way to quickly and easily keep track of our time and money without disrupting our workflow or, you know, sort of messing with our creative juices. With FreshBooks, you can invoice clients. It's easy. You can do it in seconds and expenses can be automatically imported so that you don't have to lift a finger. You're just doing the stuff on the back end while you do other cool stuff. You can even track billable time as easy as starting a timer on your on your mobile phone. You can whip up business reports. You can stay on top of your income, expenses, and tax time is coming up. So with a couple of clicks, you can generate reports for your CPA or your accountant so that you're staying out of trouble. So grab some popcorn, learn how to fresh books by watching some of their free getting started webinars. I'm a big fan of webinars and they've got some excellent ones online for you to check out. Once again, if you want to check FreshBooks out, you can just head over to freshbooks.com slash TWIP, enter the code This Week in Photo or TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section to start your free 30-day trial. All you need is an email address to, uh, to try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. Just go over to freshbooks.com slash TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And we want to thank FreshBooks for their support of This Week in Photo. 
All right, astrophotography. So this is something that I've never done. I've never aimed my camera at the sky. I mean, you know, aside from if you count, you know, taking pictures of the blood moon or supermoon, <laughs> I don't know if that counts as astrophotography, but uh, astro imaging is when you take photos of the stars, you know? So um, a company called Tiny One is developing a new camera, and it's a three-person company called Tiny Moss, T-I-N-Y-M-O-S. They're out of Singapore. It's a little aluminum-bodied camera that they're saying is going to do for astrophotography what the GoPro did for, ac uh, for action video, bringing space imaging to the masses. So it's going to do long you know, exposures that can capture things that you can see with your naked eye and capture. Basically, it takes a lot of light to image things out in the outer solar system, in the galaxy, etc. So it's going to do these long 30 second exposures. It's going to be capable of doing time lapse videos with a resolution of 2.5K. Sounds like it's going to be interesting if you have ever done this type of stuff. Shiv Verma, I have a feeling you may have done this once or twice in your life. You are Mr. T you literally wrote the book on time-lapse photography, right? D done, a, done a lot of that. And I, I kind of you know, saw the show notes earlier, and I went and actually looked at their website and looked at mm -hmm. the product and tried to understand. I couldn't get a whole lot out of it. I mean, one of the things they talk about is long exposures. I mean, 30-second exposures. You know, you're using you know a camera that doesn't really show that it's got tracking capability. So these long exposures are going to do what? I mean, leave you star trails? Yeah, maybe that's the intent. To do a long exposure in this type of photography, you'd need, and correct me if I'm wrong, like I said, I'm a novice at this, but you'd need the, the people that I talk to that do this kind of thing, they have t these high-end telescopes that track along with the movement of the stars or you know, with the Earth to compensate for the movement so that the stars remain stationary in the frame so that as you do the long exposure, they have time to register. Is that, is that, well, that's, that's clearly one of the parts of astrophotography, but you know, they, they, they do talk about time-lapse and for time-lapse, that's not so important because you actually want to see the movement of the Milky Way. You want to see the movement of the stars. Uh, and, and that's, that's what the time-lapse video eventually produces. So you get a visual of, a lot of time compressed into a short, you know, video. But, you know, they, they talk about this high sensitivity of being able to, to see and, you know, get, get stars with a lot of definition. And, you know, I think the first camera that was available to us mortals, I mean, I'm not talking about NASA and Galileo and all those kind of, uh, you know, people. The Sony A7S probably is the first camera that can truly see you know, in the dark, in the dark and, and produce images that are worth looking at. It was the first, you know, DSLR slash that had video capability that could actually take a video of the Aurora Borealis, which you cannot do with a normal camera. So, uh, you know, it's, it's very interesting to see that they are striving to a product like this, and I wish them all success. But I'd really like to see some imaging, some, you know, real-life imaging that's been you know, produce from their prototypes to be able to say, yep, it's it's a killer product or it isn't. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Martin, Martin, what do you think? I mean, have you done any of this type of photography in your past? Yeah, sure. I was photographing the Milky Way in Namibia uh, two months ago. Oh, um, cool. I, I, and, you know, there are a lot of cameras out there that you can get great astro astrophotography photos with. It's, it's um, 
the Canons have been have had a high enough resolution for a long time. You know, I don't think it's just the the Sony. Um, and then you know, the, basically, if you thirty seconds, you're not going to get star trails. Um, what happens is after with a wideish angle lens, from about twenty to twenty five seconds, the stars will start to elongate, but they're not going to be. It's not going to get a star trail in thirty seconds. So, you know, I think that the it, they've got an idea here. They've got, it sounds as though they're simplifying it because one of the biggest problems that people ask when we're on workshops and we get a good sky and we do some of this sort of photography, people ask, what are my settings? What do I need to mm-hmm. set my camera at to do that? You want to be at F, if you've got an F2.8 lens, you want to be at ISO 3200. If you've got an F4 lens, you want to be at 6400 and you want to a a shutter speed of around 25 seconds, 20 to 25 seconds. The the tracking necessity only comes in when you're zoomed in. If you're if you're using a zoom lens and you're trying to follow just a certain part of the sky, it's constellations, things like that, sure, you're gonna need some sort of tracking. But if you're just if you look at their website, they're um they're talking about Milky Way shots, things like that. And for that, 30 yeah. seconds is fine. If you're going to be doing the moon, they've got they've also got moon shots on here. The moon is actually not that bright. If you you photograph the moon at 30 seconds, it's going to be overexposed anyway. So you know, moon shots you don't need tracking. You're zoomed in more, but you don't need tracking because it's it's such a bright object. It's basically reflected sunlight. So you know, you you need a relatively short uh, shutter speed. So I don't think that they've. You know, as far as the what we see on the website's concerned, don't seem to have many problems except the quality of the images that they're showing. Granted, yeah, from were, from a prototype, very high, right? From a prototype, you know, it's it's probably still early days, but the quality of the images that they're showing at the moment wouldn't get me thinking twice about buying a camera like this. Um, yeah. I think that the the they've got a lot of probably got a long way to go. They're still trying to get funding, and so. You know, they they do obviously have a long way to go. I think it's a good idea. I think that they'll probably succeed. Um, but I think that they should also invest a little bit more time on cleaning up the photos that they've actually got on the website. Um, you know, you you have to, with most Astro, with Milky Way photos, things like that, there's a certain amount of post-processing that you have to do to really get a, a nice looking shot. Um, I'm really only scratching the surface. I've, there, there's a, I forget the name of the guy that did it, but there's a Craft and Vision ebook, um, and I I interviewed the the guy that wrote it on my podcast, and he's he, he's done a really good um, walkthrough of how you process this sort of images. Oh, um, the the white balance is important. There's a lot of important stuff. I mean, you, people don't think you try to get a really bright photo of the night sky, but if you overexpose stars, they all go white. And stars are actually blue, red, orange, and white, and so you need to you need to be careful with the exposure, um, but you also need to be careful with how you post process it because if you push it and make it look too bright, they'll all go white anyway. So to keep color in your stars, it's a fine line. Um, I feel I feel like there's a 
two workshops coming out of the show, Shiv Verma and Martin Bailey's astrophotography workshops. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 after having, hearing you guys talk, I want to go outside and take some shots <laughs> of the sky. That's a real good idea. And Martin, maybe we get them to give us a camera for each of the participants in the workshop. You know? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah, well, they need funding first. <laughs> to promote the product, right? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, interesting. I don't know. I mean, but with this with this camera, they they're positioning it as the GoPro for astrophotography. And that when I saw that tagline, I thought, okay, well, GoPro is has been wildly successful because they're targeting the action sports industry and there's lots of action sports. I mean, water, skiing, hang gliding, you know, it just goes mountain biking goes on and on and on of people that couldn't capture what they were doing before and now they can capture it. When I think astrophotography, I don't see like there's this clamoring demand of people that want to to like do it from a consumer level. It seems like the people that want to do serious astrophotography want to do serious astrophotography and they're going to get out there with the proper tools to do it correctly. Am I am I off base or I don't know. Is there a market for this, Martin? Sounds like you you're pretty much hitting it on the head. I mean, I think that there's a market for it. People want people see more and more astrophotography and want to get an easy entry point. So there probably is a market, but I think that it's it's probably going to be a stepping stone because once someone gets into gets into it, they're going to start talking to the people and they're going to say, okay, well, what you really need is a is a, a good, you know, either a a high a high ISO mirrorless or a, or an SLR camera. And a good lens, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. looking at the lenses on this, I, I'm, I'm not sure how big the sensor is, but the lenses are pretty small. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to have very, very good ISO capabilities to get half decent photo. And that's what they're claiming they're doing. So really, I mean, the proof is going to be in the pudding. They need to provide some good fo photos shot with their prototypes. And, you know, at the moment, I don't see that on the website. They, they look very poor quality. Um, yeah. I, well, I think... and the other the other piece of this is location, 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 right? Because where I live, there is a fair amount of light pollution, mm. so it's not like I'm just going to go step outside and get some shots of the Milky Way. And, you know, I'm going to have to <laughs> drive a long way into the Californian desert in order to get some, you know, to see some stars. So, mm. which means. Again, I'm thinking marketing guy right now. I'm thinking the market for that is limited because. If if I see their website, I'm like, oh, my God, I need to have that. I'm going to get some shots of the Milky Way from my backyard. I go buy that. I set it up and I get a washed out frame every time I take mm. a shot because of all the light pollution. Right. I mean, Shiv, right. Am I? It's the location, right? You have to be in a location that you can get it's this It's location. Stuff. It's the excitement of doing that type of photography. But I think the bigger, bigger issue that they've got to wrestle with right now is they're looking for crowdfunding. Mm -hmm. And which means that the crowd's got to be ready for this without even seeing it. And, and Martin's absolutely yeah. correct. If you don't show really high quality pictures, then the people who may be interested in it are going to say, ah, I can do better with my 7D or my 5D or, you know, whatever I've got. And which is a fact you can do very well with those cameras. You can't take video with them, but yeah. you can take great still shots. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, it's a similar problem that I think the the team at DxO is wrestling with, with their DxO1 camera, you know, because it's, it's, it kind of sits in the middle. It's a great device, 
Um, and, it, you know, it takes great shots and it has some great capabilities. But in the end, you have to think about, OK, well, the the friction of me taking out my iPhone and taking a shot versus equipping it with your device to take a better shot versus me grabbing my proper camera and getting the shot. You know, same with these guys. Me, you know, looking at astrophotography and being inspired by Martin or, or Shiv's shots I would, this is what I'm thinking right now. I would think, well, I'm look, let me look at my existing lenses and see what could I, what could I take out there to actually do this properly and see mm. if I can get some good shots. I'm not going to invest in something small that's going to, like Martin said, and make the quality of images that they currently have on their website, right? That's, that might turn me off to astrophotography altogether. <laughs> and it might to know. some extent be very faddish. I mean, it is partly faddish. I mean, you think about DxO1's one product, you think about mm -hmm. what Sony came out with, two or three models that, do you see anybody using their, those Sony things on iPhones? No. No, no. So it, it's you know probably one of those things that has a six month, you know, happiness life. Yeah, and then it just yeah. goes away. I mean, because interesting, I wonder if they have a roadmap. So maybe maybe this product is the gateway drug to something larger, you know, so <laughs> you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to build their marketing plan for them. So you know, you, you put this thing out there, and then you sell the professional astro imaging kit that costs much more. And now you can get really good images if you just spend a little bit more money. I don't know. And then like Lytro, you make something else out of it. Yeah, oh, yeah, you sell the technology. Yeah, <laughs> you license it. Uh, all right, guys, we're going to take one final break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into our listener Q&A segment. This episode is brought to you by lynda.com, the online training platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. For a free 10-day trial, just visit lynda.com slash twip. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash T-W-I-P. Now, lynda.com is for problem solvers, creative people, or just people who want to make things happen. Maybe you want to master Excel or learn negotiation tactics or build a website or even boost your Photoshop skills. Just go to lynda.com and feed your curious mind. lynda.com offers a ton of courses on Lightroom, Photoshop, and the Adobe Creative Cloud, and many on just getting inspired or re-inspired about your photography. With a lynda.com membership, you can watch and learn from top experts who are passionate about teaching, and you can stream thousands of video courses on demand and learn at your own schedule. And courses are structured so that you can watch them from start to finish, or you can consume them in bite-sized pieces. You can even download tutorials and watch them on the go from your iOS or Android device. Your lynda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for one flat rate. So whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or just want to learn something new, visit lynda.com slash twip and sign up for your free 10-day trial. That's l-y-n-d-a dot com slash twip. All right, guys, it's time for some listener Q&A. This week's question is from Ben Tucker. Ben says, I'd be interested to hear your take on the website wallpart.com that allows people to purchase prints of images found on search engines using the loophole that they do not host the images and the images are chosen and therefore not supplied by the customer who 
on their logic assumes the liability for the copyright infringement. I'm sure they're probably still in breach of copyright on their part, but would be interested to hear your opinion. Martin, I know you have an opinion on this. <laughs> so what, do you, yeah. what do you think? If I get on Google Images and I search and I find an awesome snow monkey shot and I send it to wallpart.com and make a print and put it on my wall, you know, am I am I a bad guy? Um, I you know what the <laughs> you're like you're gonna show up on my doorstep if I no, do that. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I I go I, I'm I'm like split on this because I. I obviously I I value the copyright my copyright I I make money from my images in lots of different ways, but I also put my images out there on the web. And that, that doesn't mean that they're 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 free for anyone to use. They're all my images, and anyone that does anything with them is, other than look at them in their browser, is yeah. infringing on my copyright. Um, but the the fact is that if if someone takes a fourteen 1440 so you know like a an image that you see on my website and prints it they could probably get a four by six or a five by seven print out of it it would look relatively crap but you know anyone could take one from my my website and print it on a on a printer anyway on a postcard size yeah and if someone wants something like that you know honestly i i really don't care yeah, not, but if, okay, let me put a spin on it though. Yeah. So, what if someone goes to your website, they take one of your images, and they scale it up to twenty by twenty-four? It falls apart. They print it, and they say, "Yeah, this is a Martin Bailey <laughs> shot." And so, they, hang, they hang it up somewhere public for everyone to see. Yeah, or, so, now what? so that's that's the other part of it. I mean, you can't really scale up a website image to 20, 20 by thirty or whatever. You no, can not effectively. You, you, you can, can. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, like you say, it looks it looks terrible. Um, right. I think it depends on whether they're making money on it. Uh, if I mean, you actually, if you go to the to the um, the Walpart, um website, I I did a search yesterday for Dead Flay, um, which is one of the places that I've photographed in um, in Namibia, and mm-hmm. you get all sorts of photos that come up, and when you know, you could go and print any of these and they're only making, it looks as though they're only taking roughly the cost of the print. They're not selling them as fine art or anything like that. So it's, it's very borderline. You know, they, they're probably, if, if you're going to make a print and ship it to someone, you're going to want five or $6 and that's all they're charging. Yeah. So they're not really cashing in on the artistic value of the photos. I'm not saying that what they're doing is right, but, and I think that they, they probably are, um, you know, infringing on certain laws by doing this, yeah. but the size at which they can print is very, very limited. And if anyone really wants it, I mean, if you look at this, I'm just looking at. Oh, you can actually do this one up to tw- 34, 36 by twenty four <laughs> inches. So, I mean, I don't because know I'm going to test this, Martin. I'm going to I'm going to find one of your pictures out there. I'm going to print it, and when you come here for one of your workshops, I'm going to say, "Hey, Martin, look what I got." <laughs> You, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's I think that they once once you get to the really big ones, if they can actually find a copy on the web that is going to be high high enough resolution for someone to receive a large print of and actually be happy with, then you know there's there's certainly problems there. It, yeah. I think the smaller prints, the ones that I was checking yesterday, I could go up to five by six, uh, five by seven. If you can actually get them at really big, um, then 
you know, that's more of a problem. But it's... I don't the, know. The, I want to hear Shiv. Shiv Verma, you know, same same question. This happens to you. Someone goes to, you know, wallpart.com. They find one of your awesome images and they print it and you see it hanging. Say in their, their you know, you get invited over to their house for dinner and there your print is <laughs> hanging on the wall. <laughs> yeah, I, I go back to Martin's point. I mean, if, if they take, if they, it's no different than, you know, if, if I wanted Martin's picture and I go to Martin's website, right, and, and, I, and I take one of his images and I decide to print it, I'd probably get a four by six print out of it and it'll still look pretty terrible. Hmm. But if I want to blow it up, I mean, maybe that's what the service is that these chaps should do is we'll blow up your image I and mean, make it look really bad. Yeah. <laughs> but to, 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 to the point of your, what you said is if I see my image hanging on somebody's wall, I'll actually you know, go up there and offer them a real one. Yeah, because yeah. that's an insult to have an image look so crappy on, mm. you know, that, and, and and these people, I mean, I, I looked at their website. I mean, they, they don't even know how to spell right. I mean, they're, 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 their language is all out of whack. Oh, so wow. I, I don't know what they're really doing or where they are or where they come from. But, you know, when you say contact us, uh, you're liable for any infringement. But who's the infringer? They, they're actually cataloging this stuff. So, you know, for them to take your image and catalog it, they're actually putting it on their website. It's not being cataloged off of your website. They're not. Yeah, they're just pointing to the image from whatever server it lives on. Well, so how does the search engine work? That's the, what Google does. Google doesn't house anything. They just, they're just they just a database that points to everything. Yeah, Google's, Google's got the crawlers and they've been there and they've cached yeah. all the stuff. But, I mean... They need to know what size of the image is. They need to know the resolution. They need to be able to tell you how much they can up-res it. There's, there's I, a lot I of think, other I underlying think, stuff going on over here, which I don't quite understand, but I don't think it's all kosher. Well, I'm looking at the page right now for this Painted Desert Namibia print poster, which I'm going to order. And it's, <laughs> it says, under product details, it says, worldwide shipping in the... The second W in worldwide is is capitalized. We print using fade resistant inks and are finished to the highest standards. We pack order in tube. This is one hundred percent capital that your poster will be in perfect condition. Tracking number for all order. You can check it in twenty four hours on your postal service. Yeah, so Shiv, you're right. Yeah, yeah so it's just, I mean, it, the whole thing is hokey, you know, so yeah, hokey yeah. that it, the, the person who asked this question, you know, I think he's he's looking for a fundamental response. And the response mm -hmm. is, please stay away. Yeah. Yeah, if it, if, if it doesn't feel good, don't do it, right? <laughs> I think the thing is, is whether it's legal or not, and it's clearly infringing, you know, they're, they're making money, even if it's a tiny amount of profit, they're not doing it just for the print. You know, they're not making a lot. They're not doing it just for the cost of the print, though. So if they're making money on other people's art, they're definitely infringing on copyright. Um, so, you know, I think what if, if we're trying to say whether or not it's legal, I would say it almost certainly isn't. Um, whether you can but stop them or not is going to be a different a different. How thing. are you going to find them? Yeah. 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 Crazy. Yeah. Hey, you know, these services continue to pop up and we'll continue to talk about them. And, 
yeah, I'm I'm with you, Shiv. I don't I don't think this is I don't think this is particularly cool. You know, I <laughs> I'd want my images. Yeah, I want to control where my images get printed and how they get printed. Um, you know, Martin, you don't seem to mind that this Namibia poster is up there. You're okay with it? <laughs> well, no, because it's I, it's it's actually just searched from the web. But the yeah. thing that I, the thing that I kind of tongue in cheek that I did want to mention is that I still watermark all of my images, and so if you were to order that print, it would say Martin Bailey Photography in the bottom left corner. I see it. I, I'm looking at it large. It's in so, there with your little crouching man logo. Yeah. Right. So you know, I mean, it, it's one. And I, I've always said I don't do that to stop theft. People can still steal images, and I've seen my images on the web with the watermark cloned out. Um, but if someone goes to the trouble to clone it out, it just proves that they know that they're doing something wrong. And if if someone's going to order a print of one of my images from this service, at least I'm going to get a bit of free advertising from it because that's probably all I will be able to get. But that's you know, a good way to think about it. Watermarking is 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 something that it, it's a lot of people don't like it. To me, it's marketing, and that's that's all it's ever been. So, Martin, yeah. quick question for you: Are your images all Creative Commons? No, none of them are. I own the copyright, and no one can do anything with them unless they pay me. Le legally do anything with it unless they pay me love it love it you're just yeah. stingy man come on <laughs> <laughs> give it away martin <laughs> we need uh, we well, need a uh, dead valet picture hanging in everybody's wall listener yeah. ben tucker i hope that answered your question <laughs> um listeners if you have a question you'd like us to answer in the show just you know obviously visit us at thisweekinphoto.com click on that submit a question link and uh or you can leave us a voice message and we may play your actual voice on this week in photo all right guys we're going to wrap it up we're going to move into the picks of the week real quick remember you can pick anything to recommend to the twip audience as long as it is somehow related to photography shiv verma what is your pick of the week? I used to use a product called the Giga T Pro to do a lot of my time-lapse work. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, that thing got discontinued and it was a little bit of a disappointment because they're really very easy to use, a uh, very compact product. But it did have a little bit of a problem that it uses, uh, at least the, the transmitter unit was using a battery that's one of your tablet-sized batteries that, you know, wouldn't last too long. Mm -hmm. So they come out with this really nice product and I've got it here. I'm going to hold it up. Um, yeah, well, you, you've got it up. You can show the pictures. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a very interesting product. Not only is it, you know, does delay and time lapse and long shutter, long exposure, all that, but it's got little sensors on it and it comes with an infrared module that you can set up, you know, four feet away to to many feet away, and when the the IR beam breaks, it fires your camera. But it also can be used as a laser trigger. It can be used as a sound trigger, and it'll trigger with lightning. And then what's really interesting is it has an auxiliary port uh, with you know a, a standard jack that you can actually plug in any. Uh, sensing device. So, you know, if you've got something that's, let's say, pressure sensitive, you can put that in and when the pressure changes, it'll fire off your camera. Oh, okay. So it's it's really, really cool. And, you know, they, they talk about, you know, 100 meters as far as the range is concerned. And I actually went to close to about 250 
meters with this thing and it fired the camera no problem it fires oh, flashes at those long distances so it, it it's really an incredible product and what they've done right for a change is it uses two standard AA batteries in every module and to me that's that's a killer because those little tablet batteries just don't last not for you know time lapse and long you know something you want to run over three days four days this will just do it without any issue. Yeah, and it's uh, 119 bucks from B&H. Sure. Yeah, and the receiver modules are $45. So so question on that, Shiv. So if you're trying to do that iconic shot of the bullet going through an apple, you know, or something something like that, you'd use a device like this, but how do you how do you actually time that? Like if you were this quickly, how would you time how would you capture that shot of a bullet going through an apple to get it at the right spot and get it to trigger exactly at the right time. Not not to go too much into detail, but let's assume you wanted to use sound as mm -hmm. your trigger. For a bullet, it wouldn't work because sound travels pretty slow. Yeah. So what you would do is you'd use a laser in this case and put a laser across the, the front of the barrel. So as soon as the bullet goes and breaks the laser beam, the activation starts and you can set delays to say, you know, if the if you believe the bullet's going to hit the apple in one second, then do a one second delay and fire the camera. Okay. So yeah. it has the built in delay capability. So you don't necessarily shoot as soon as the thing fires. You can delay it by however much up to 10 seconds. You guys are costing me so much money, like all this <laughs> astrophotography and all this stuff. Come on. Jesus. <laughs> This is good. Cool. That's a great pick. And that's called the Hanel. How do you pronounce it? Hanel? It's, uh, Hanel Capture well, Pro? Uh, it's Irish, so it would be Hanel. Hanel. The Hanel Capture Pro module. 119 bucks, 120 bucks over on BNH. We'll link, link to it from the show notes. Perfect, Shiv. Thank you for that. All right. Martin, what is your pick of the week? Yeah, I actually, you know, when I first started doing workshops, I used to come home with a shopping list as well because all of the participants would come from all over the world with lots of expensive <laughs> gear and Yep. I um I learned a lot and it's but it's been a while since I've since I've actually learned anything uh that I need to buy when I get home uh from a yep. workshop. But recently in Iceland, one of the participants mentioned that uh to keep their cameras dry when they're out. Yeah, you know, I, I usually just use a, a Japanese like it's called a tenugui. It's just like a cloth, a printed cotton cloth. I have one in my pocket the whole time and I just wipe rain off i'll either drape it over the camera or i'll wipe the camera off with that and one of the participants mentioned using those travel towels you know the microfiber travel towels that you use for camping um, yeah. you, can, you can get relatively big ones they're not cheap they're like 10 bucks a, a, for for a, a relatively small towel but i got home and ran straight to the outdoor shop and bought two of these uh, because they they suck up a lot of water they they suck up like four times their own weight in water and it's great for just in places like Iceland where it rains a lot. Um, you know, you don't want that to stop your photography. So with unless you're using the camera that's totally waterproof, then it's great to just dab off the, you know, the rain, drape it over there and then wring it out. And they wring almost dry straight away. So then you can just put it back over there. Because um, I, I don't like using the plastic covers for cameras. I, they just feel feel really, um, you know, uncomfortable to use for me. So... I normally just use a cloth, but these, um, the microfiber towels are a really good way to keep cameras dry in 
wet conditions. So I've, I love uh, that. I mean, you can buy them. I, I put a link to one on on Amazon, but you can buy them at any outdoor store. Uh, just go for the microfiber uh, camping or travel towels, um, different sizes as well. So I've just bought. And I bet those those microfiber ones. towels in a camping store would probably cost about. 10% of what they would cost if you bought them in a photography store. <laughs> yeah, probably. But but the thing is, is in, in a photography store, I've never really seen them. They You get uh, the you can get lens cloths, but lens cloths are quite expensive for what they are as well. And they're not normally big enough to, to really soak up a lot of water. And because they're not designed to soak up water, it's, it's not quite the same. You know, so it, these things are really, they've got a little bit more thickness. Uh, but they soak up a lot of water for what they are. So great for shooting in wet conditions. Love it. Love it. Well, speaking of shooting in wet conditions, that brings me to my pick of the week, which is something that I just took delivery of today. It's called the Transcend Jet Drive Light. This was recommended to me last week by my friend Richard Harrington over at Photo Focus. This is a, it's a little SD card that plugs into your MacBook and it's they make different designs for different size MacBooks specifically so that it can fit flush into the side of the computer. I'm going to bring it up on the screen here for those of you that are watching this. Um, but it uh, it fits flush to the side of the computer and basically stays in there permanently, you know, oh, until yeah, you need I to use your these. slot for something. Yeah, it just kind of plugs in there. The cool thing about it, it's it's, you know. It's waterproof. They got a picture on the side of it sitting in a glass of water and it's, you know, you just put it there. And the reason I wanted this was what I've been doing so far is, you know, I'll plug in external drives for these little video clips that I edit from time to time. And, you know, even though these little Thunderbolt drives are, are light and small, there's still another thing hanging off the computer. And just having this thing sitting in there all the time that I can edit on and then pop out of the little MacBook and plug in to the iMac and continue editing, it kind of changes the metaphor a little bit, especially since it's always there and I don't have to go look for it. It's not extra weight in my camera bag. So it's uh, it's pretty cool. And I, I bought it off of Amazon. Martin, have you seen these things? Yeah, I, I've got a 256 gigabyte one in my MacBook Pro and I use it for storing all of my music. Like, you know, oh, nice. Because, I mean, if you, if you have a few, like I've got, I think, 130 gigabytes of music that I used to carry around on the internal hard drive. But internal hard drives, if you use them for photos and stuff, they get full anyway. Mm -hmm. So I just put all of my music in there um, and all of my my sound samples. I sometimes plug a, a, a keyboard, you know, like a, a music keyboard into my, into my computer. I have all of my uh, sound samples in there and everything as well. So I think I've got about 200 gigabytes of basically music-related stuff in there. And it, like you say, it just fits flush. There's a tight, you can feel that it's there. Mm -hmm. And it, it really just sort of flush, fits flush right into the into the side of the, the SD slot on the on the Mac. Works great. Um, yeah, it gives it. you extra space. Yeah, I was I was surprised to see this. It's like, okay, this this should this needs to be attached to every portable that I buy from from mm -hmm. now on. Shiv, have you seen these things? These uh, yeah, actually, uh, the, before Transcend made them, there's a company called uh, Sanho. Uh, they make the color space and hyperspace and hyperjuice and all those products. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't mean you've got to go and buy all those, Frederick, but they do make all these very interesting <laughs> products. You're killing me here, man. You're killing me. <laughs> and and they, they, they made one of these quite a while back, which, uh, you know, sits flush with 
your uh, MacBooks and stuff. So I love yeah. it. Yeah, I'm in a never-ending quest to get crap out of my camera bag and my laptop bag. Anything that lets me do the same stuff that I'm doing now, but lighter. Um, you know, I'm I'm all in, and this is this was right up there. Oh, it's 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 a wonderful product. It's a, I just wish they make like you know a terabyte one soon. Yeah, it won't be long. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, that would be good. All right, guys, uh, before we end the show, Shiv, what do you have coming up in the coming months that you'd like to let everyone know about? Well, actually, I'd like to let everybody know about it if there was some room left, but there isn't. I've got my uh, fall workshop starting this weekend. Uh, the first one is in Ithaca, New York. Oh, there's no space left in that? Space left in that. Oversubscribed. <laughs> so now you're, you're just teasing us then, basically. <laughs> and then and then it's uh, the Cape Cod uh, fall workshop both in October and that kind of leads me to the end of the, the, you know, fall season. Uh, and then after that, it's uh Bosque de la Pachi and, uh, how do you bear it? How do you bear all the, the horror of going to those terrible places all the time? <laughs> <laughs> it's, somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. Well, cool. Shiv, we'll link, we'll link to your workshops on the, on the post for this page. Thank you. Well, Martin for does on. it too. So don't, yeah, I'm not. I know Martin's always good. Martin, where are you going next? You know, I I don't travel as much as that because I I don't take my wife. I have to come home, and uh, I try to do one tour per quarter. Um, and I've just finished Iceland. My next tour that is got some space on is uh, is my Hokkaido winter landscape tour in January. Ooh. Um, Ooh. my my winter wildlife tours follow that, but they've been sold out since before we did the 2015 ones. Um, so, but yeah, the winter landscapes, it's, you know, like all of those real minimalist Michael Kenner type, uh, landscapes. That's, uh, that's great. And we've got a couple of spaces left on that. If anyone's interested. Nice. And what, what is that? Uh, what's the fee for that workshop? Um, the, I think it's, uh, 5,000, it's about $5,000 at the current rate, um, for 12, 12 full, full days. Um, nice. but you can, you nice. can check the. It depends on whether you, if you're in a double room or a single room, and there's a little mm -hmm. bit of difference. But um, yeah, if you go to mbp.ac/hlpa for Hokkaido Winter Landscape Adventure, uh, then you can you can see details there and, and book and okay. etc. Okay, yeah, we'll link to that. Obviously, thank you. Very cool. All right. And one thing that I'm hoping to participate in, we're still talking to these guys, but uh, our friends over at F-Stop Lounge are doing a Fiji workshop. I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. They're doing a Fiji workshop later this month, the the 28th, I believe it is. Or actually, it's 29th through November 1st on Fiji. And uh, a bunch of my friends are going, like Verena Patel and you know a bunch of other cool people are going. And hopefully I will be there too. So definitely check that out. Even if I don't go, go check out the workshop. I'm not sure if it's if there's still space available in it, but you will find out on their website, which we will link to from the post for this episode. All right, guys, we're at the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. I want to thank our sponsors, including FreshBooks, Lynda.com, iFi, and all of them. I mean, you know, without these guys helping us, Squarespace, without all these guys helping us, the lights would be literally off on This Week in Photo. So thank you to all of our sponsors. Be sure to check out our website over at ThisWeekInPhoto.com. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off.
Kingdom Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.